What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched War and Peace Part D of the Russian 1965. Is that how you say two in, in Russian? No, that's how you say it in French. Oh, okay. This one didn't have much French in it. It had some French, though. It did have some French. There was the poet lady mm-hmm. in the salon yeah. giving her poetry reading. Um, I assume it was poetry. Spoken word of some sort. Yes, and it was untranslated French, which I thought was yes. a really interesting thing. Especially reading the version of War and Peace that we are reading with all of its untranslated French. Yes. Well, I think that this is like jumping in without any context yeah. for the <laughs> listener. Uh, I do think that they they did several places where there kind of weren't translation. That might have been the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't important what was being said. It was important what was happening yes. with other characters. Yeah, I think that was really interesting with this one. Um maybe in comparison to the first one, was how much of the storytelling was visual. Yes, yes. Let's back up a second. Okay. This is part two. (laughs) You want Um, to contextualize the movie. This is part two of a four-part series Mm -hmm. um, that was made in the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. in the 1960s. And this one is titled Natasha Rostova. Mm-hmm. Rostova. We were just working on her. Yeah. Russian. I think it, I think it's Rostova. 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 Yeah. Um, and the film part breaks kind of breaks down the four parts and explores a major character mm-hmm. in each of the parts, whereas the parts of the book are not character focused. They're more like time or yeah. the war side or the peace side yeah well so i read somewhere online is war and peace is real easy you got a chapter about war and a chapter about peace yeah. and a chapter about war and a chapter about peace yeah yeah <laughs> um and so this one's taking it from natasha's point of view and mm-hmm. she's kind of coming of age she's probably 18 19 maybe in her early 20 we, we, kind of I would've, skip, I would've, we skipped some time from yeah. the first part which dealed with the first part of napoleonic wars in mm-hmm. like 18 Early 1800s, like 1802, three, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, this was almost almost entirely from Natasha's perspective. Yeah. Which is not surprising given the name of the film, but... No, no, she's a young countess. Mm-hmm. She's of an aristocratic family. Um, and this is about her love life, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her different suitors and her... Um, different feelings about them and, and of growing growing up. Mm-hmm. Um I, I appreciate at the very beginning uh it was it was showing us Napoleon and the Emperor of Russia. Is it Frederick at this time? Um They said the name, but I don't remember. <laughs> and they're they're going to peace talks and then so it cuts back to um okay, the aristocracy of Moscow and Saint mm-hmm. Petersburg saying and meanwhile while this war is happening life is you know normal people are going about their business they're very far away from the fronts which feels like i mean i realize this is an adaptation of war and peace but it feels very much like the war and peace that we've been reading is that sort of like yes there's these big things happening but also people just keep living and yeah i should say we're behind this movie we are still working through part one for us we just went into austerlitz Mm -hmm. like war part in part two yes so we're way behind on yes yes we will finish the film series probably before we finish the book yeah but (laughs) what's been interesting so far just in part one of Mm -hmm. book one oh it's such a long book 
um, <laughs> such a long book, <laughs> has been like all world character building in the aristocracies of mm-hmm. Moscow and St. Petersburg. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it feels very prescient kind of at the beginning of a war mm-hmm. um, when people are like, it's on their radar, but they're not directly involved with it. So they're not too Yeah, the couple people have got people they're trying to get to be like higher ups in the military, like pulling favors to get a good spot. And they know it's very far away yeah. from them distance wise. Um, so it's kind of that moment in, in history. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've read several books at the beginning of like World Wars and... Mm-hmm. Um, different economic turns, um, you know, I don't think it's that unlike the kind of moment where we're in right now. Uh-huh. Yes. Which um, is probably one of the reasons everybody's reading War and Peace right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That and you, um, yeah, just recording when you are ignorant of the, like, shit show you're about to go into for the next yeah. 10 plus years. years. Um, and you don't, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. And, and that you can't, <laughs> and that, that kind of ignorance is bliss. So, um, the cat is trying to bite our microphone cable. Okay. Well that's not low voltage buddy. So <laughs> don't, don't eat that. Um, yeah. Or some people are, are seeing it coming. Mm-hmm. Some people are looking away. Yeah. Intentionally. Um, yeah. The battle feels, especially after this this particular week, it feels like we've been in this for the last 12 weeks of quarantine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Let's get our angsty, melancholic Russian literature on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I don't, by the way, I, do, feel... I don't want to say that if by any reason people are re- reading more. In, I mean, they might be reading it because they think it's a universal human experience. Yeah. Um, it's not. There is I no mean, universal. Tolstoy but... tried to write it as such. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there are lots of things that you can relate to. Yeah. Um, it's, and yeah. it's good. It's and good I think it's good we story. can relate to it based on our positionality. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So that's where we are in the book. It's, that isn't even where we are in life, but we won't talk about how we're doing in life right now. Um, we got a podcast. The, we got a cat. We, yep, we got those things. And uh, so this was, a, you know, not war-focused at all. This was just, mm-hmm. this uh, film is just on kind of ordinary yeah. life. Yeah. Ordinary, assuming, you know, you're looking at it from the perspective of, like, nobility in the early 19th century Russia. <laughs> Uh, With a peasant here and there. Yeah, I mean... We're so happy to be serving the nobility. <laughs> I gotta say, that ball at the beginning was amazing. I know. Let's talk about that. <laughs> it's at the very beginning. Watching this ball, I was like, this is epic yeah filmmaking this is right in line with the battle scenes yeah of the previous ones they're just like mind-blowing hey all russian people come on out we're filming this thing you gotta be good at dancing and choreography yeah but just beautiful and unbelievably well done Uh, oh gosh (laughs) Uh, felicity just brought almost brought everything (laughs) to the ground including herself uh didn't think that one through did you buddy we're still recording (laughs) um but yeah the the epic scope of it and the camera work 
I saw yeah. in I was watching one of the behind the scenes videos for, for supplementary videos that was on Criterion.com, and they're talking about like in that scene they were the cameramen were on roller skates and being pushed around oh my gosh to be able to pull off some of those shots because they didn't have those cranes yet like yeah the... well so some they're they're i mean cranes did ex- exist for filmmaking but to do it and be in and amongst the people the yeah. way that it was like that was the solution that they came up with for at least yeah. some of the shots so it's like it's at the very beginning and natasha is going to like her, her first ball yeah as as you know it's kind of like her coming out mm-hmm. of uh into society on her first ball and it's a big ball like the emperor and all the all the important the, people <laughs> uh monarchy are, yeah. are there it's huge it's a huge ballroom mm-hmm. it's the massive thousands yeah. not thousands actually but, but it feels hundreds. like yeah easily um so many people and i think like what was one of the most impressive shots for me is when they're the royalty are like kind of getting together to walk out as one mm-hmm. and so they go behind kind of some of the stragglers are going yeah. behind these doors and then they all come out of the doors walk into the ballroom the camera pans past yeah like, like multiple doorways um, multiple door you know archways yeah. into the ballroom so you can't quite see and the next shot is all of the royalty and the rest of the ballroom in dance formation yeah going yeah and it looks like one shot i have a feeling at this time it probably was one shot mm-hmm. where they came out they all got in their formations and they, did it. And they went <laughs> And they did this. Uh, yeah. It's not a complicated dance. No, um, I, but... I mean it was. I mean, I suspect it was the sort of dance that was done at these balls, oh, which yeah. is the sort of thing that everyone knows the steps to. That's a thing that you learn at some point. You know how to perform this, and you learn it so that you can go to a ball and do this. Yeah, um, yeah. I say in a similar shot, um, also in the ball, that, that blew me away was watching. Natasha watch the ball with yes, the mirror. Yes. Like, I don't know a lot about filmmaking, but I know that it is very hard to get a shot like that because of the two different depths of focus. And to have both the ballroom reflection and Natasha in focus. Right, not having any, like, glare. Yeah. And being able to watch her react to what was going on. She, the, the actress playing this part was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, just so much acting with just her body and her face. Right, you didn't need... The one thing that this this film series does is it narrates uh, the inner monologues of mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. And you just... You, you almost didn't need it for her. Yeah. Because she was acting just out... Point the camera at her and let her okay, think the what, things. Yeah, what was... Uh, what, what she was thinking. And yeah. And she's, you know, at the beginning, just devastated. She's crying. Yeah. Because no one wanted... No one came up to... Ask her, yeah, ask, ask her, her to, to dance. dance at her first ball, mm-hmm. and and you get a sense of the sort of, and I don't know if this was intentional on the part of the director or not, but it very much felt to me like the sort of overwhelming spectacle of it put me in Natasha's sort of perspective mm-hmm. of seeing this for the first time and being overwhelmed, and just the the spectacular nature of this production. Um, was really exciting, and then yeah, I was I was Natasha right there, going like, "What's going on? Why isn't anybody talking to me?" <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, right, and and it's there's just so many people there, and yeah, um, where it's no longer special to be in the aristocracy, the monarchy. Yes. The, we, we've talked about we can't quite figure out what. But the terminology the, and yeah, the yeah, structure. what the, the hierarchy yeah. is because there's so many prince and princesses running around, mm-hmm. uh, and then count and countess, yeah. and um, I think I think we haven't had like dukes. I don't think we've had any dukes, um, but they may I be don't. dukes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's no being special there. Yeah, almost and, like how do you, everyone is? And again, talking about a visual filmmaking. The the camera work made it feel that way in some of the crowd shots, mm-hmm. where it's just kind of panning and moving through these giant crowds of people that are all very important. They're all beautiful. They all kind of look the same. Yeah. And it just sort of feels like they're everywhere. Um, I think my cat almost ordered... An Uber on the phone. Sorry. That's okay. My cat has uh, called my mom before on yeah. my phone all by herself. <laughs> Same cat. Yep. Um, sorry. I, but I was talking about the, the, the visual of the crowd shots and sort of like the overwhelming feeling of like, again, importance, but also sort of losing that specialness was really impressive. I also think um, when... Ow! Yeah. When Andre went over to ask Natasha to dance at Pierre's suggestion, um, this movie did something that I think... So I think the first film was very... I don't want to say like realism-focused, because I don't think that's a has meaning that I want it to be. Um, but was very like just the facts. Like these are the things that are happening and you see them as they're happening. Mm-hmm. This one I think felt through Natasha's point of view in a lot stronger ways mm-hmm. because you have the scene where um, Andre comes over, asks her to dance. He crosses this giant empty ballroom and then he starts to dance with her and then other people start dancing and it, you know, it's obviously choreographed because they're the protagonists of the film, but it sort of reflected Natasha's feeling of finally being able to become a part of everything and feeling the magic of all of this. Right, and it's very clear just in the visual manipulation of the camera, the focus, mm-hmm. the kind of like shimmering. That This is like love at first sight yeah, for both of them. Absolutely. Um, and it and it feels magical through all of that without a lot of like special effects or unrealistic things happening. Um, and I think it was super cool how that was paralleled when she was dancing with Kurrigan, um, where everything was sort of in blackness and dark in contrast to the light of the ballroom mm-hmm. when she danced with Andre. Um, I just, I thought that was really fascinating and really interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. The foils. Yeah. Kind of. uh, that one I think was a second syllable. It was like Kurrigan. Yeah, I just Dragon. know him as Anatole because of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet. Oh, that was Anatole. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. That connect. was Anatole. Oh, Anatole's Anatole the big. He's the bad boy yes. of the War and Peace universe. He is. And, and he now was. I see why. <laughs> now I see why he was the bad boy. Yeah, he was the bad boy. Uh, yes, that was Anatole Kurrigan. Yeah, Kurrigan. Kurrigan. I think Kurrigan. Yeah, Kurrigan. Anyways. Anatole. Yes, that was him. Um, Yes, the bad boy of of the War and Peace 
world. I like that perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, surprisingly little Pierre and Andre, though, overall. That's true. Considering how heavily both of them were. So the first movie was called, you know... Andre. Andre Bolkansky. Um, very little Andre or Pierre in this one. They were sort of show up at the beginning, and then, you know, Andre runs off. Right, so uh, Andre run uh, proposes to Natasha, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, let's take a year. Because now that I see you again, I'm not so sure I'm, <laughs> like, so in love with you. But he doesn't say that. He's just like... Let's, let's take give it a year. year and let's see how you feel yeah. after a year. <laughs> so then he just disappears. And so we see this life. This yeah. Year of life mm-hmm. for Natasha. Yeah. Because <laughs> Andre isn't here. <laughs> Andre isn't here. Um, and Pierre is, is just not yeah. part, of the, part of this storytelling mm-hmm. as much. So we see this year. There's a lot of time lapsing mm-hmm. that, that's shown. Yeah, some real good, like the... The footage of, like, spring into fall, where we see this sort of greenery and then the sh- same shot in the, the fall colors. Well, again, it, it was winter, snow, yes. then it was spring, then it was summer. Yes. Break, and then the... There's four seasons in Russia. <laughs> yes. They got all four of the seasons in that shot, so we knew time mm-hmm. was past. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's how they communicated that. Um Although, like, some of it went back to maybe. Oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. We land in winter again. Yes. We that's, land in winter. That's what happens. Okay. Uh, um, I also have to say when uh, this is jumping forward a little bit, um, but when Natasha and Sonia mm-hmm. and, and Nikolai, to some extent, are are in their house mm-hmm. during this winter. Yeah. This, you know, brutal Russian winter, your average. <laughs> it's dark. <laughs> It's dark all the time. It's cold. And they're like, uh, especially Natasha and Sonia are like pull, doing all this like divination magic stuff. Yeah. Like, and I was like, out. this is their pandemic. Like, <laughs> getting into trouble. We have to do something while we're in the house. So let's let's see if we can read these, make the rooster move these things around, yeah. and and call up. You know, find out who we're gonna marry and who we <laughs> we love, and it's all it's all in like a montage, yeah. sequence. I love that of things. You know, putting cards under the pillows, and yeah, that yeah. was a very neat the, montage. Yeah, yeah. Montage of, and I just I felt like we could all relate to that <laughs> feeling of cabin fever. We're stuck. What are we gonna do? What that's we gonna new do? and different. I'm gonna divine things. Um, yeah, well, and too, just, you know, with my background in, in the Salem Witch Trials, mm-hmm. too, and that that's kind of what started the witch trials, was <laughs> two young white girls um, trying to divine their husbands mm. in using European magic, not uh, other, <laughs> other, otherly, not uh, African-derived mm-hmm. uh, magic that, that's... That's what made me think of Yeah, well, when the the servant comes up and is like, the rooster's here, I'm like, that's a weird thing to say. What's going on with this rooster? Well, that's because Natasha goes into the room of servants playing cards, and she's like, I gotta ask something. What am I... Like, and it shows, like, this boredom, too. But also this, you know, unexamined, uh, like, power. Yeah. She's like, well... Gotta ask them something. 
I'm going to ask for a rooster. Go out. It's the middle of the night. I need in, a rooster. In a blizzard. Get me a rooster. And, One and rooster, please. The men are like, yes, definitely. Of course. Of course. That, we'll, that's we'll what we're here that. for. Um, and that's all you <laughs> see. Right? There's no downstairs portion of this. Yeah. We're like, oh, my God. She wants a... The mistress a wants a rooster right now. It's, the, it's winter. There's a blizzard. Get a rooster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this one... I think this was during the last one as well. Um, but I mentioned, like, these are funny movies. They have a lot of humor in them, which is so not what we're led to believe is Russian literature. I mean, we... Chekhov is comedy. Chekhov is comedy. Never seen it. I mean, I've seen Chekhov. I've never seen a comedy <laughs> in Chekhov. Yeah, but but the rooster thing is funny, or the thing with the bear is funny in the first movie, in the first part of the book. Well, like, and also in the this is not in the movie, but in the book, they keep talking about the fact that Pierre was part of a gang of guys <laughs> who, who tied a, a, bear to a bear to a policeman and threw them in the river. <laughs> and we can laugh about it because. They were okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> luckily, the bear landed down and started and the swimming. Swim. <laughs> yes. Boys will be boys, even in the 19th century. But that is, but I, like, that's the, the reason it keeps coming up. I think is because it's funny. I think it's meant to be humorous. Um, or the thing with the the candle in the mirror, and they're like seeing your future husband. Like, I think there is meant to be humor in those sorts. Well, of not only were they trying to see their future husband, they had painted on ridiculous mustaches. Yes, well, because the mummers had come. Well, I thought that yeah. that was part of the divination. Is oh, like, it might have been that yeah. you draw on the mustache. Uh, I hadn't like, thought about that. The, yeah. Um, well, because they were wearing the mustaches when they were riding the sleighs with oh, the mummers. I didn't see the mustache during the mummer sleigh yeah. ride. Um, <laughs> the mummers have come. There's a bunch of people that we've hired to entertain you. Well, and they were like, oh, thank goodness. We were so <laughs> bored. We were just talking about the nihilism of life and how nothing will ever be joyful again. But the mummers have come. <laughs> I was like, you all, you all are way too young. <laughs> and, uh, you know, moneyed yeah. too be considering the nihilism of life but <laughs> yeah but that's what you do at that age yeah yeah there's there's a reason spring awakening is some oh yeah angsty teenage <laughs> tragedy yeah uh a lot of use of split screen in this which i thought was really interesting mm-hmm. um for the sort of side by side like uh andre talking to pierre and natasha talking to her mother about but sort of the their first time. meeting mm-hmm. that was really neat yeah, use use of. You saw the switch screen at the very beginning, where mm-hmm. um, Napoleon meets the emperor and you on the two armies. water. That like I got, over I got a question. river. Like that was my my suspicion was that was a river between the two, the, the, and two, so it was with a two safe... grand armies on either side. But mm-hmm. you could tell like it that it was uh, three split screens. Yes, not, yeah, it was not. They were not, not bordering it. the. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was a metaphorical. You know, they were meeting on this neutral ground of the river. Um, yeah, that was fun. I don't know. How to lie. I don't know that. Yeah, that was <laughs> cool visual effects. Um, 
very clear storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this was easier to understand than the first one. I don't know if that's because you've been reading it, and so we understand the oh, people a I, little bit. Oh, I think that that's a lot better, because when all of the, like, names come, came up at the beginning, I was like, good, I know all these characters. <laughs> like, I know who they are and how they're related yeah. to like, each oh, other. Oh, Anna Mikhailovna, I know her story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm a little so. sad we didn't get her stuff with uh, Pierre and... In the first movie, was that Anna Mikhailovna or was it the other Anna? I uh, know I it was. Isn't Anna Mikhailovna the one who doesn't have money? Yeah, yeah. So her. Sorry, that was. Felicity. It was. Um, yeah, no. Her scamming about the Count Bezukov's death. Right, and she was with uh, Boris. Yes, or Boris. Who's but her son? Who's her son? Yeah. Who's her son? Um, I don't think Boris was in this i think he might have been in the opera scene was natasha natasha was standing with me was she standing with anna pavlovna or who's the older woman uh that was maria dmitrievna wasn't princess maria is there another no, maria there is another maria, maria dmitrievna okay yeah that was the sort of old woman who yelled at her when she yes. found out yes um no the other princess maria is andre's sister right who we yeah. see in like one scene mm-hmm. Um, which that whole scene is a song in uh, Natasha Pierre and yeah. uh, the Great Comet of 1812. So Kevin was following along because he knew. Well, yeah, um, well, this this movie this covered, movie. like, more than, but also covered the stuff that's in Natasha Pierre. Right, and, and the, the last scene in this um, film is the comet going across the sky, and then the numbers are coming up 1812. of 1812. <laughs> uh, and setting us up to go into another Napoleonic yeah. war. Well, and the next movie is called The Year of 1812. Like, that's, you know, the sort of scope to expect going forward, which is... Yeah. Um, also, the the storyline with Anatole... Anatole? Anatole. Anatole Karagin. Um, was... So, the kind of... The visual storytelling of his courtship of, if we can call it a court, yeah. seduction. <laughs> seduction is, I think, the right word. <laughs> Natasha, to me, was so creepy. I'm like, this dude is stalking <laughs> her. And well, I yeah, was not seeing any, her. like, attraction um, there. Yeah. There's that one scene where they are in that the, the French uh, poetry mm-hmm. salon thing where he's, like, right up behind her, staring at her, and her eyes start moving to the corner, and her head starts to turn to see... Yeah. Like, um... Yeah, no, he's he's a creepy dude. He's a creepy dude. He plans on kidnapping her. Mm-hmm. He's already married. Although, I don't know if you can call it kidnapping if she was going along with it. But abduction, the, I think. Abduction is the... of, of... I guess the way that they're framing is abduction of someone who cannot consent to... Yeah. Leaving. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know any better. Run away. And yeah, he's led her to believe they're going to get married, but he can't because he's already married. Mm-hmm. And just they. Which then becomes his defense. Like, no, I didn't promise to marry her. I'm already married. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you did, dude. <laughs> that's that's what you did. We saw it. Yeah. From the, the audience eye view. Yeah, no, he was super creepy. Um, or even when he walks into the the opera and he yeah. goes up to the box and he sort of like nods at the other woman and then he goes and sits down in the front row and just turns around and stares at her <laughs> like, that's not okay dude it's, yeah you're <laughs> creepy this is this is creepy yeah um yeah 
the bad boy. Uh, about the I wolf hunt? That's... I thought that was Oh, yeah, and I do mean to say, these films, I think we said this in the first time, mm-hmm. not that anybody's, like, keeping track, but um, the Humane Society is not on set. No! With these animals. No! And... Uh, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, and so if you are someone, like, it's, like, no one ever wants, ugh, not Noah. <laughs> I don't want to ever see animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not looking for that, and yeah. this makes me uncomfortable. But I do know some people who just cannot watch it. it. Yeah. They, they just, I and that it. is enough, not going to watch the films at all. So yeah. if you're one of those people, don't even try. Well, um, I, th- I think we said in the last podcast about this that, the film wasn't allowed to be released in England for a very long time. It may yeah. still not be. Like I think, yeah. I think the laws haven't changed without cutting some of the scenes, like the horses in the last one. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be surprised about this one with the wolf hunt, um, which seemed very silly in the sort of way that I feel like these hunts always are until we get to the violence. And then I was like, oh, this is real uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... Do you mean the hunts where it's like we have our servants to go flush out? The, yeah, we got the, the dogs that are doing uh, all the work, and the dogs are going to chase them, and, and then they're going to come horse. by, and we're going to shoot them like and that. Bag yes. it. Yes, I think that is always very silly, um, and I I was getting that sort of silly vibe from it. I don't know if that was you know just my perspective coming into it. Well, yeah, it's so it's so theatrical, it's so spectacular. It's yeah. not. Uh, hunting that needs to be done. It's not done. a sport. It's not sporting. It's not for food. It's not for, yeah. you know, tools. It's for fun yeah. and showing off and showing your power mm-hmm. over nature yeah. in this in this case. So, yeah, the there are scenes of the dogs and the wolves fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, were talking, and, then, and then the wolf at the end after it had been captured. Uh, and they, uh, they basically bridled it. They put the... Yeah. the the chew thing they put a, a in dowel or no, br- a uh, I can't remember what it's called but is yeah, it not they a had, bridle is that the, the bridle is more of the harness oh, yeah. I think it has a the it's metal a bit a bit yeah they put a bit and it's like and it's 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 tough to watch. <laughs> it's tough to watch. It's clear the wolf is uncomfortable. Like, yeah. the tongue's hanging out in a really I think, weird way yeah again I, I don't I just don't have any context for like what the goal was for that but from what i've read of tolstoy and from what i've seen of this movie like i think the uncomfortableness was to a point yes well and so the last scene of it is kind of they're showing from the wolf's perspective yeah and you see the wolf's eyes and the um the the focus of the film the like kind of the the fisheye lens the fisheye it like changes um, and it looks, it makes the humans look really silly mm-hmm. um, and just buffoon. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, in, the, in a funhouse mirror sort of way, like sort of monstrous, but also like goofy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, the wolf was making a sound I have never heard an animal make. And that really bothered mm-hmm. me. I don't know if that was on sound, if on on set or not. Well, they had to do something to a wolf somewhere to make that well, sound. I'm, I'm saying I don't know that it was a wolf sound. It could have been Foley. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, know. I'm not saying I'm not saying that to excuse it or make it e- better, but I'm I'm saying I don't know because I I with older films I've I've gotten so used to spotting ADR in films and and like Foley in films because I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting like 
what gets ADR. I think it's interesting what, you know, because no sound effects are done on set. Like, right. you're never capturing that sound effect on set. So I've learned to sort of look for those sorts of things. And those skills don't work in older films because the systems are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody looks like they're in ADR. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I can't put my finger on it why. Like, even when it's, like, the original soundtrack. Um, so I'm always like, I don't know what's captured on set or what's foley that's real versus foley that's simulated um, yeah none of that makes the, the scene easier to watch or more comfortable or better for the wolf we do see on screen or the dogs we see on screen that have a really not great experience um so yeah yeah so don't watch this if you can't stand that because it's rough <laughs> it is rough it's, it's a shame that it happened mm-hmm. is a shame it's a very small part of the film mm-hmm. so you could easily kind of like yeah but um, yeah and and but i understand why you wouldn't i understand want. why you, i wouldn't I understand why once it is in the film you wouldn't want to cut it out but i'm also of the perspective of like we as a filmmaker you have to really interrogate why you're doing this like what is the goal here and is there another way to accomplish that in a safer, more humane way. Yeah, and I think the horses in the first film, in the middle of this, you know, epic battle mm-hmm. scene, was more of the kind of the realism of war, yeah. making you feel the like you're there, the it. chaos of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not noble, like riding in in your steeds and yeah. staying on your horse, <laughs> and um, you know, nice clean gunfights or anything. Yeah, I don't think Tolstoy's a fan of war. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty sure uh, Tolstoy would say war is never the solution yeah. to any problem. Um, Maybe I'm reading the book wrong, but that's what I've gotten so far. Yeah, which is uh, yeah, yeah. Which I think war is never a solution, but uh, I think violence can be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. War is different when you have nation states telling you. Yes, what to do? And conscripted soldiers and all sorts of, and you have no power over what that nation state, yeah, is telling you to do. It's complicated. Uh, it is it is complicated and, and it, complex? Um, only hurts people. Yeah, basically. Uh, whereas the wolf scene in here, to me, was much more. I think, like bringing out the power. Mm-hmm. Dynamics yeah. and more a commentary on on um, not their abuse of power, but their relationship to mm-hmm. the world, where they are like conquering over nature, yeah. and, well, and, uh, and you have the servants who are really kind of doing most of the work. On mm-hmm. well, and you have the context of like again, this is being written at the end of the nineteenth century, about the, the beginning the, of the nineteenth oh, century. Yes, yes, the book is, the book. Um, and then the film, of course, is made at the end of the twentieth century. But uh, and like. It's there's a lot of commentary about what Russia was like at the beginning of the 19th century in War and Peace. And sort of, I think a lot of that is reflecting how Russia was at the end of the 19th century and where it was headed and where we end up seeing it over the course of the 20th century. Uh, I think. I'm not a Russian scholar by any means, but... No, but they do... I, I kind of would expect the Soviet cut of this book to be more critical of aristocracy Mm -hmm. um, and, and have maybe some of those downstairs elements of of the peasants and servants. Um, But it, I mean, it, it holds these to me, it holds up these characters as interesting and uh, 
um, you know, complex and people. Uh, it holds people. them up as people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and is not is not criticizing the the system. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, no, I don't think the book is as much. I think. No, no, the book isn't, but it's think, it's happening pre any revolution in Russia. Yeah, I think the film is doing some of that critiquing that may that I mean isn't not present in the novel, but is is by choosing where to focus in the film. I think there's a little bit of that going on. Well, I think that's definitely so. Going back to the first film, uh, we got this far in the book of when Pierre's father dies, mm-hmm. and I can't remember. Count Bezukov. Bezukov. Um, um, Bezukov. I don't know. <laughs> Where the emphasis? Which syllable? Yeah. And and so in the film, they keep saying, like, he's asking for Pierre and the, the Count on his mm. deathbed is asking for Pierre and Pierre's not really showing up. Mm. And Pierre finally gets there and they go through the last rites, basically, yeah. which is this big, A, like, splendid, amazing scene. <laughs> spectacular um, ritual performance. And um, he dies, and Pierre gets the all his, his, inheritance, his inheritance, even though yeah. he's a bastard. Yes, he's an illegitimate child. Um, so, but in the book, there is this whole other storyline where um, is it Prince Vasily? Yes, it's Prince, Prince Vasily, Vasily and Anna Mikhailovna. Um, well, yeah, and then the Count's daughters. Yes, legitimate daughters. And they're having all these conversations about, um, so your dad wrote this will that leaves Pierre everything because we, because he was really angry at someone at the time, (laughs) but it was a joke and he never sent it up to the emperor. So if we can just find that will and rip it up, all the previous wills where he evenly divides it among his heirs or, you know, anyways, uh, will, you know, and they're good. And the daughter's like, no, that can't be. And I don't care. I don't need the inheritance. Yeah. Um, and that is not in the movie. movie. (laughs) Where I think that the movie kind of like, okay, here is the, the underdog, Mm -hmm. um, doesn't, isn't born with all the privilege, Mm -hmm. um, gets the inheritance. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that is Pierre's story. Like, that's what happens. But I don't, it's also funny because I don't think he sees any of that. So if, right. if the movie's looking at it from his perspective, all of that's happening, but we don't know about it. Uh, because Pierre was incredibly distant from his father up until the end. Like, even at the end, really, where he's sort of, like, in the room, but, like, squeamish about it and not sure he should be here. Yeah. Um... And seeing all of that, and yeah, Anna Mikhailovna kind of driving him to be successful. Right, because she wants a cut. I can't remember which well, side she, she, she wants. She wants Vasily to get some money to give to her. To help Boris. To help. Well, also to help her. To help she's her. living yeah, in, she's poor. quote unquote, poverty, which mm-hmm. I don't really understand how, like, how that works. Yeah, what the context a, of it is. A countess or a princess. Yeah. But uh, she has no money. Yeah, well, somebody was somebody was helping Pierre. Now, who was that? I feel like somebody was helping him, like whispering in his ear and saying, "You wanna go?" Well, do... and yeah, like, and helping him like make sure that the will got found. Maybe it was. I think it was Anna Mikhailovna because I think she was hoping that Pierre would be more easily manipulable because and Prince Vasily hadn't really helped her. Closer to Boris's age, yeah. maybe it would help. I think that's um, what it was. I think it was Vasily versus Mikhailovna. 
um, Vasily and the Daughters, and then Mikhailovna and Pierre. Mm-hmm. I know we should read the book again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> so we can just start from the beginning. Yeah, just start from over. This, um... yeah, but I really enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think it, it was easier to watch, but it was also easier to watch because we've been reading the book and mm-hmm. getting an idea getting some of the context. world that, it, that it's in. Yeah, and again, I think so much of it was visual storytelling. I think also helped. Yeah, like you got an idea of you don't have to you don't have to know who Anatole Kurigan is to understand this guy's real creepy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there was less dialogue yeah, overall. Absolutely. And it was only an hour and a half versus I think the last it was, was two, two and, and a half, half hours. Yeah, so, so this much easier to watch. <laughs> much shorter. Much and I, yeah, shorter. I don't think any of them are as long as the first one. Again, I think they're all closer to this time because the whole thing's seven hours. Yeah. So. We're Which already... seemed like so long when we started this, but now that we've been in the book, <laughs> and it's taken us like how did they only like, get seven hours? Twelve weeks to get ten percent way through the book. Yeah. They fit all of this into seven hours. Yeah. Although, and it's fine. They are skipping over lots of stuff, yes. and I think I think that's fine. Like I have no problem with that. Like I think it's the the. The opposite solution to that, you end up with the first Harry Potter movie, or the first couple, where everything right, is, is just a, sort of shoved in. A master lesson in adapting a novel yeah, on screen. absolutely. Because um, it it feels like War and Peace. It feels like the novel, uh, which is hard to do. Yeah. It also cost, like, umpty billion dollars, so... Yeah, this was the showcase piece. Yeah, of the the USSR. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything else. I think. I mean, yeah. I think that's. I'm excited to watch part stuff. three and four. Yeah, eventually. Oh, we probably should watch like Descendants three first, just to balance it out. Well, I think it's been about <laughs> three months since we watched part one too. I mean, it's you been, only it's been a month. I looked it up yesterday. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> I think it was oh, a month. Oh, um, time. What day is it? Oh. Hold on. Uh, no, it was more. It was more. Sorry. It was three months ago. You're right. Okay. You're right. It was three months ago. Okay. Good. Why did I think it was a month? Because you, you can only take so much of your Russian literature. Yeah. You space it um, out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> it's a marathon. <laughs> but a fun marathon. A fun marathon. Cool. All right. Well, good Saturday. Good Saturday movie. Yeah. Watching. Say goodnight, Amy. Good night, Amy.